Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. Support for this podcast comes from Eightfold.ai. Eightfold.ai delivers the talent intelligence platform. The most effective way for companies to retain top performers, upskill and reskill the workforce, recruit top talent efficiently and reach diversity goals. Eightfold.ai's deep learning artificial intelligence platform empowers enterprises to turn talent management into a competitive advantage. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 453 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The pandemic changed many aspects of talent acquisition, and perhaps none more so than onboarding. With many people spending less time in their employers' physical offices, how have TA and HR teams evolved their onboarding processes to forge a sense of belonging, develop relationships, and ultimately increase productivity and retention? My guest this week is Sharon Tipton, Chief People Officer at LiveRamp. Over the last few years, LiveRamp have developed a strategic and very intentional approach to onboarding. And Sharon has lots of insights and advice to share. Hi, Sharon, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me today. I'm really excited to to jump into this topic. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Before we get started, could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Sharon Tipton. I am a chief people officer. I'm currently at LiveRamp, which is a SaaS company. Um, we are publicly traded about 1,400 team members global. Uh, prior to that, I was a chief diversity officer. And going way, way back, Matt, I started my career in compensation and benefits. Fantastic stuff. Now, I know that a key topic for you is onboarding and onboarding is something that's of great interest, I know, to, to lots of people who are listening. So it's great to kind of explore that topic today with you. First and foremost, tell us what the onboarding process at LiveRamp looks like. 
Yeah. So um, what I really want for our team members is to not have the traditional onboarding process where it's very transactional, Matt, and you're filling out paperwork and you're watching videos. I think we've all been there. We have really shifted to more of a relationship-driven onboarding. And what I want is for each team member to come in and really think about with their manager, you know, what do I need to be successful in this company? How do I make a true impact? And who do I need to collaborate with to do that? And so we're all about, we we are hyper-focused on accelerating those relationships, Matt. So thinking through, okay, I come in, I'm in people and culture, I'm going to work with finance, I'm going to support, let's say, the product organization. How do we start building those relationships? And what we found through the pandemic is it's even harder to do that with 33% of our workforce being um, remote. And so I think of our onboarding program almost as an accelerator program. It's like, how do we in the first 90 days get our team members connected to the people that they're going to work with on a daily basis? How do we integrate them into our culture? Um, Do they understand our North Star and where we're going as a company? And how do we make sure, most importantly, Matt, and this is something um, as a Black woman, Woman that I'm, I'm very sensitive about. Do they belong? Do they have that sense of belonging? And how do we make sure that they feel that immediately on day one? And I guess it's interesting what you say about the pandemic because you know I don't know about you, but my 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 sort of LinkedIn feed has been full of people starting new jobs, and then you know literally. You know, they they leave their 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 company one day, they start the next job, and they're sitting at the same desk with the same computer at home. And it must have make onboarding very difficult. Has it has it sort of really changed your approach? Absolutely, it has. So not only has it made, I would say, onboarding more difficult, it's made retention more difficult, Matt. We all know we can't hire our way out of bad retention. And we know that new team members, they're instantly going to make a decision on if this is the place for them or not. And that is the challenge, right? A lot of organizations have seen um, ghosting in the last two years, which is something uh, normally, you know, was pretty rare, I would say, pre-pandemic. Um, so we have to be very intentional, right? Those relationships that would just organically form, we now have to um, invest in, right? And to help foster and nurture. And so it's very different. Um, and, and I think a great thing that we can do, uh, talent acquisition professionals, HR professionals, is really connect team members with not only the right people, but the right resources as well. So most companies have employee resource groups where you can connect team members. Um, you know, wellness is a big thing right now, you know, going through the pandemic with mental health. So what do you have that supports team members and allows them to be their full self? Um, And I think introducing those resources early on is is a great strategy, but I would say absolutely it's changed, Matt. You have to be um, intentional. There needs to be a plan in place and you need to drive that connection that You don't get just by, you know, when you join a company, like you said, you're sitting at your desk at home. How do you make the experience more than that? Right. How do you when when Sharon Connor Stipton, when I walk into LiveRamp and I'm sitting at home at my desk, how do you make it real for me 
and meaningful. And I, and I don't think that is um, a one pillar approach. Like there's many levers you can pull there, Matt. And again, it's connecting with the, the right people, right? Your peers, your stakeholders, um, leveraging your ERGs, that sense of community, right? Do you have um, a giving foundation or an opportunity for your employees to volunteer and to connect outside of this virtual world, even connecting them to their community? Um, but it, but it should look very different, Matt. You mentioned there about starting onboarding as early as as early as possible. I know that in your organisation, you actually start onboarding very early while you're still interviewing people. Why is that, and how does that work? Yeah, I would. Um, so, Matt, I've been giving this a lot of thought, and I actually would encourage people to start a step. Uh, before and actually think about, you know, uh, ideally at LiveRamp, we'd love to touch a candidate five times before they ever come interview with us, whether that's them seeing a post on LinkedIn about our culture or company or seeing us at a career fair. To me, that's where the onboarding starts because that's when um, potential candidates are making an assessment about your company and your culture and you want to show up for them. And I think that's really, really important because everyone is looking again for that sense of belonging. And they want to know when I step into your company, will I be supported? Will I be able um, to be successful here and do meaningful work? And I think that's something that you can show prior to them signing the offer letter, right? You want to start building and creating um, those connections and and relationships, right? If someone reaches out um, asking about your company on LinkedIn, when you start to dialogue with them, or if you never respond to them, to me, that's part of onboarding. You're just not getting to, to that end result of them being um, an actual employee. But that's it's kind of like dating, Matt, right? Like it, <laughs> it starts early. You want to get to marriage. Um, but, but that dating process, that is the onboarding, right? You're setting um, the, the expectations with that candidate. You're showing them your employee value proposition. What are you going to give them as a company? And what are you expecting in return? Are they clear on your values when you show up at the career fair? Do they know what your product is? Um, are, are you committed to diversity and inclusion? And so, if so, how does that show up? Do they see themselves in the people that you're sending out? All of that to me is onboarding. And what do you sort of find the most important aspects of that are in terms of what you discuss with potential employees about the company or about the employee culture? So for us, if our uh, potential candidates walk away with anything, it's that people matter most. And so we want you to be clear that when you join our company, we aren't looking at you uh, solely as just a resource, right, for, for output. We are looking at you as a whole person. And I think having that connection with a potential candidate or with someone joining your company is really important. We talk a lot, Matt, about in HR moments that matter. And that's really what creates the stickiness of um, can of employees with, with companies. It's when companies show up when they're when team members need them, whether it's a marriage or a death or an illness. But one of those moments that matter is actually the onboarding. It's day one. It's those first 30 days. It's, you know, um, when we say people matter most, when I show up on day one, is there someone there to greet me? 
Um, or am I just trying to find a parking space and navigate my way and going to the receptionist and, and there's no badge for me and no one knows I'm here? What, you know, if I matter, right, that shouldn't be my experience. And so that's what I would want um, any potential candidate or employee to feel at LiveRamp is that they matter and we're thinking about them and we're putting them first. You mentioned there about the the first 30 days that someone's with you. And I'd, I'd imagine that they're, that they're sort of sort of quite critical in terms of retention. How does that work? How important are they? And how does it help the amount of time that people stay with the business? Yeah, I, I think it's very critical. And so I would encourage, um, and particularly uh, talent acquisition professionals, again, you can't hire your way out of bad attrition. So every TA team should be looking at what is your retention in the first 30, 90, 120 days. Like we, we need to get really clear on those metrics and those first 30 days matter. And again, it's being intentional. And, and Matt, I was thinking back like through my onboarding experiences And I can recall I joined a company and they had this great concept of having a buddy system. So they connected me with one person in the organization outside of my team um, who was my buddy. And I went to lunch with my buddy. We, Matt, had nothing in common. (laughs) We um, did not have good chemistry, kind of going back to the dating thing, right? And I felt like... um, he really did not want to invest that time in me. And so to me, that was a really bad first 30 days onboarding experience. And so where I'm going with this, Matt, is those first 30 days need to be personalized. Like you need to be looking at every team member that comes in, you know, what is top of mind for them? What are are their career objectives? What are their personal ambitions? And how do you tailor an onboarding plan around that? So it's not just, hey, pull somebody and, and make them their buddy. It's, hey, you know, um, Sharon loves um, to ski. You know, is there someone in our organization that also has that passion that Sharon can connect with, not only on a work level, but on a personal level, right? And so the 30 days, of course, you have your paperwork and, and your compliance videos. But really, I think if organizations think about to maximize the effectiveness of this employee, let's have them meet as many people as they can in our organization. Um, I think you're off to a terrific start. I think the other thing, Matt, again, going back to the employee value proposition and expectations, you know, what are all the resources available to these team members? What What's the secret sauce in your organization for success? Every organization has a love language. In some companies, it's data. Um, for us, it actually is relationships, right? So it's very difficult um, to be successful in our organization if you aren't taking time to build those relationships. New hires need to know that. And so it's all about this for me, for our organization, making a customized experience where um, we really are utilizing our network. So as a manager, I'm utilizing my network to help this person be successful and connecting them with with all of my network as well. Just to dig a bit deeper into that. So relationships are obviously a very important part of the culture of your business. You sort of mentioned ERGs, you, you mentioned 
mentioned personalizing the the onboarding process. What, what do you do to make sure that uh, you know people understand that, but also are able to to build great relationships within within the business as as early as possible? Beautiful question. So we um, have a training empowering um, leadership at LiveRamp. And so within that training, we give our managers information on how they do that, right? So we're setting that expectation with them. So I think it's important for managers to understand their role in the onboarding process because they are that employee's first point of contact, right? Um, And they're going to multiply their network for them is is what we're hoping. Um, The other thing that we do, Matt, is we bring in ERGs into our onboarding session. So we bring all of our new hires together. We have the ERGs come in and speak to them. I speak to our new hires. So we have them meet with some of our executive team as well. And it's an open form Q&A. Really, and what we're trying to demonstrate, Matt, is that you can connect with anyone here. It's not about hierarchy. We have an open door policy. Anyone can talk to anybody at any time, whether that's Slack, whether that's text, whether that's email. We know that um, great ideas come from everywhere in our organization. And we want our team members to know that they all have a voice and that we value relationships. So I think introducing that into your onboarding framework, giving access to the ERGs, explaining um, your wellness benefits, it's having your executive team come in and share your values, right? And demonstrate to the team how that shows up, what that looks like, how we live them um, is very powerful. And, and then I would say, Matt, ha- again, having a plan. So when I come in on day one, please please have thought about what day one looks like for me, day one to day 30, right? Um, chart out who I'm going to meet with and, and why that's important. And what the expectations are and have that, I would say, have that on paper. Let the the new employee know that you've been thoughtful about this and it's personalized for them and that they matter. As an organization, you obviously think about onboarding in a very considered and, and strategic way. What have you seen in terms of sort of results within the organization, you know, the length of time that people stay or how they feel about starting their new role? We have a question on our Glint survey that says, um, you know, would you recommend your manager to someone? Um, do you feel that your manager supports you? So we know when we see higher scores there, we have higher retention. Now, I think the work for us to do being quite candid is to put in some metrics in that survey around our onboarding process and that we have not done. And as a final question, obviously you spent a large part of your career in the the HR and the, the, the people people industry. What are the three biggest lessons you've learned about the hiring process in that time? <laughs> I think, Matt, there's one big lesson that I've learned, um, and that is to have a growth mindset. I think no one could have predicted what the last two years would look like. So as an HR professional, you would think, you know, prior to the last two years, oh, I know how to onboard people. I know how to hire people. Right. And then we had the pandemic and uh, we've had a lot of um issues, uh, for example, George Floyd, right? And employees really becoming more vocal around expectations of companies. And then we've had the great resignation. And so I don't think anyone could have prepared for any of those. And so as an HR professional, what it taught me is that I need to be, um, 
tuned in into what's going on externally and thinking about how what's going on um, externally is going to impact my ability to hire and retain top talent. And that is ever-changing, Matt. And so um, I would encourage HR professionals, you know, stay on your toes. Think of... um, you know, innovative ways to onboard your employees and try it, you know, pilot it because none of us have it all figured out. And I think the other thing that I learned, Matt, is we are greater together. And so I really leverage my external network to poke around and see what others are doing in their onboarding processes. What are they doing to to hire talent? And can I leverage some of their practices in my organization? But I am, I will tell you, after the last two years, nothing would surprise me. And again, it's very clear that we all still have a lot to learn. Absolutely. Sharon, thank you very much for talking to me. You're welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. My thanks to Sharon. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Welcome, change agents, to your go to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.